Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. So glad that you are with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. How are you doing? How are you holding up? What's going on with you? I know you can read your loved one's chart backwards and forwards, but how about your chart? How about you? You feeling okay? That's where the conversation starts on this program is how you are feeling. And I'm not trying to base anything on our feelings as far as our doctrinal or theological stance. I'm just talking about just in general, just a kind of overall welfare check. How are you feeling? You tired? Hacked off? Vexed? Flummoxed? Frenetic? Spastic? Resentful? Mad? (laughs) What other words could I use to describe the caregiver journey? Whatever you're feeling, it's all right. Now we can have an honest conversation. We're not going to stay there, but we got to know where we're starting from. We don't want this Pollyanna stuff or this denial stuff that's going to just keep us from accepting reality. So that's where we start with this conversation. Hopefulthecaregiver.com. If you want to weigh in on how you're feeling and what's going on with you, please feel free to do so. I've been doing a series as of late on things that keep us safe. And I want to kind of flesh out what that looks like for us. What does safety look like for us? And we all kind of come up with things like home security and that kind of stuff and, you know, having a firearm or whatever. But that's really not even in the ballpark for a lot of us. I'm talking about your head space, your heart space. It can be under assault from others or from yourself. And so how do you deal with that? And I've been reading excerpts from my new book. It's called A Minute for Caregivers. They're just little one-minute chapters, and I unpack them a little bit, but I thought I'd do this for you all. And while this audience gets new listeners every single episode, every single program, many of you all have been with me for some time, and you've watched this book and these thoughts evolve and coalesce into very targeted things for family caregivers. And so I thought I'd spend a little time with you reading this. The book comes out at the end of May. It'll be in bookstores across the country. It's called A Minute for Caregivers. And this is chapter 12. And again, these are only one-minute chapters. Now, I'll unpack it and add a little bit more to it, if that's okay with you all. But I thought maybe this would drive home a point. It's called A Path Through the Storm. When storms loom, Media outlets often show footage of people placing plywood on homes and businesses and hunkering down. Caregiving is its own storm. Although sometimes receiving advance notice, caregiving can often descend like a tornado and last a lifetime. If cameras followed caregivers, many daily activities might resemble the frantic bustle of those boarding up homes and businesses. Imagine trying to build a five-year plan while simultaneously working to survive a hurricane. Incredulously, many caregivers regularly attempt such a feat. While the aftermath of hurricanes usually brings clearer skies that allow rebuilding, the lengthy caregiving storm usually ends at a cemetery. And the path to rebuilding appears shrouded in confusion, despair, and even desolation. Yet a path through and following the storm does exist. It's called endurance. The challenges of caregiving can forge a resilience and resolve that spills into every area of life. Many faced with hardships lament, how do I get out of this? 
Caregivers and others can instead change that question to, what can I become through this? Entire marketing ads promote tempting versions of success that sadly ring hollow as the years pass. Endurance, however, remains its own success while standing the test of time. And the quote I use for that is from Romans 5, 3 through 4, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is where I'd like to hang out a little bit for us as caregivers today with your permission and indulgence, because I see this problem, first off, a lot in myself, and then I've seen it in other caregivers who are frenetic in trying to prepare for disaster. And several things happen while this is going on. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, can't we petition God to expedite this? <laughs> you go right ahead. Let me know how that works out. You know, that, but we pray that a lot. I've prayed a lot. I don't know if you have, but I, I have. And the other thing we do is we're trying to board up our homes and plan our business all at the same time. Have you noticed that? I mean, that's that's essentially what we're doing. And what would you say to somebody who was down there? My wife grew up on the Gulf Coast. They had a lot of hurricanes down there. When you're boarding up your business and you're trying to get everything ready and evacuate, is that the time to call your accountant and your team and say, let's have a five-year plan study, you know, <laughs> in between putting plywood on the windows? Well, no, but that's what we caregivers do. Sometimes we do it out of necessity, out of fear, out of all kinds of reasons, but we still do it. And there is a point where we need to stop that and change a little bit of the way we approach this. It's not that we don't want to plan, and you certainly should and must. Any kind of business model, you're going to need to plan. But there's that adherence to the plan that is what's dangerous for us as caregivers, that we've got to do this. We must do this. We're supposed to do this. We should be doing this. And that stems back to that whole obligation thing that we fall into as, as, as caregivers, where we got to, we got to, we must, we must, we have to, we have to, we should, we should, we should, we should, we should. How's that working? And sometimes we're just going to have to board up the windows and trust God. In fact, I, I would suggest to you that's more often than not the journey of a caregiver is that you are doing uh, preparation to minimize the, the carnage and trusting God that he will bring you through. Does anybody else agree with that? How do you feel about it? I mean, is that, is that resonating with you? Because that's been my life. Now, I have to plan and I have to work, and I have to learn to do things all while being ready at a moment's notice to pivot with Gracie. I was just doing an inventory of the last 18 months of our life together, medically speaking. She's had five operations, three of them inpatient, the other two outpatient. She's had at least a half a dozen, if not more, trips to the ER. She's had multiple infusions, and I, I'm just too tired to count up the doctor's appointments that are involved in the phone calls and the pharmacy trips and all that kind of stuff. That's just in the last 18 months, okay? 
Now, this kind of thing has been going on at some level for, for some time. How do you plan? What kind of shape would I be in right now if I was so busy trying to force an issue that we must adhere to this plan that I have developed or what? So the safety feature that I want to talk about today is that flexibility of learning to trust God in this and recognizing that you're going to have to be flexible. Yes, you're going to have to board up your windows. Yes, you're going to have to put out sandbags for this caregiving hurricane that at times can be absolutely catastrophic. And you're going to have to plan and be flexible all at the same time. You're going to have to implement that plan and be flexible all at the same time. If you're not, if you're rigid on this, you will break. Okay, it's it could not be more simple. You will break. That's the bad news. But the good news is what Paul talks about in that passage I read. Perseverance, endurance, fortitude, character, hope. This is what sustains us instead of us relying on the rigidity of what we think we need to be doing. Does that make sense? Am I tracking with you on that? Because if we put it in terms of this is the way it has to be, we're going to crumble. But if we put it in terms of this is what has to be done for today, but we're going to trust God to give us the insight, the wisdom, the perseverance, the hope for tomorrow. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're talking about things that keep you safe. And part of that is retraining your mind. That's the whole point of all of this is the way we look at the problem. Because if we are looking at the problem that we're facing as a caregiver, as God get me out of this, and that's our one and only petition. Yes, we want to be delivered. Yes, we want our loved ones to do better. certainly want Gracie to be healed. I want Gracie to have a pain-free existence. But this is not the place where we are. And God has seen fit to allow this for 40 years. And at some point, you have to accept the fact that we are not going to be able to go back to uh, a house without the threat of hurricane, if you will. So you have to build your house differently. You can't have you know, a lot of the, the, the plate glass windows you'd like to have. Uh, you're going to have to do something different if you want to stay with the metaphor. And my father-in-law is, one of the things I like about my father-in-law, his name is Jim, and this is Gracie's dad, and he's a great guy. And he, you know, grew up in Florida for the most part. He spent some years in Tennessee where his family roots are with his mother. But he has a lot of experience being down there on the, Gulf Coast and in Florida. And so when he builds anything, he goes a bit extra. I mean, you know, why use one nail when three will do kind of thing. And he'll put hurricane straps on stuff that is nowhere near a hurricane path, for example. But he figures, why not? If you're going to build it, let's build it to withstand and build it strong and build it so that 
we're not going to, you know, be regretful. Why, 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 why take a chance? Just err on the side of caution, which, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Well, as caregivers, that's kind of the way we have to build. So we have to factor in that we're going to be living in a high wind area. Now, where I live in Montana, we do get a lot of wind here. Not nearly as much as they get over on the other side of Bozeman, which is a good 70 miles away from us in Livingston, Montana. Now, over there, I don't know how they do it. You know the wind vanes they put out, the little orange material that lets you know how many knots are blowing, that kind of thing? Well, over there, it's a chain. <laughs> you know That's how heavy the winds are. And it's pretty serious. And you, you, you know you're going to have winds, so you have to build everything to accommodate those winds. Well, that's what we do as caregivers. We build everything to accommodate what we're dealing with. Not to fight against it, not to sit there and shake our fist at the hurricane, because that leads to um, some real serious mental problems down the road. We're, we're going to get ourselves into a real mess if we're so busy trying to rail at something that we have no control over. And it's very difficult to sustain that. And yet I've watched a lot of caregivers do that to the point of being so bitter. And you have to medicate that bitterness with something. You're going you're gonna to fill it up with something. And it's usually going to be drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever. But you're going to find something to medicate that with. Scripture comes along with something different. And you hear Christ saying, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. What is rest? Is rest sleep? I don't think so. I think we can get some rest when we sleep, but I know people who get a lot of sleep but aren't necessarily at rest. Resting means knowing that you are secure in God's hand. See, that's where the safety is. The safety is not to flee the path of the storm, per se. The safety is knowing that you're in God's hand in the middle of the storm. Now, that's the metaphorical storm. If you are in the presence of a, of a tornado or a hurricane, please, by all means, flee. I'm speaking metaphorically here. The storm of suffering, of dealing with the challenges of a chronically impaired loved one that are relentless. And so you have to build your life differently. If you have a special needs child, for example, you're going to have to build your life differently to accommodate those special needs. And I've been married to Gracie now since 86. I've had to build a much different life with her than probably a lot of young couples have and did. And it's taken me a while to figure some things out. I can't do what certain people do. That's okay. I used to rail against it. That didn't get me very far. It just got me bitter and made my life miserable and Gracie's life uncomfortable and pretty much anyone's around me uncomfortable. Bitterness is not exactly um, uh, an engaging characteristic. <laughs> people don't want to be around it. And I've had to walk in a lot of healing in this area because I would sit there and, and rail. I, I remember one of the most endearing stories of Gracie that I, I love this story about her is there was a hurricane coming 
to to the coast there in Florida, where she lived up there at the Panhandle, and she was recuperating from a surgery on her newly amputated left leg. Now she's a double amputee at this point. She could wear her right prosthesis, but her left one had to go back for a revision. And so she's down there recovering. And here comes a hurricane. I told her, I said, you know, you're down there recovering from becoming a double amputee and then you got a hurricane coming. I'm thinking any moment locusts are going to be coming, but she didn't think that was nearly as funny as I did. But before they had to evacuate, and they were doing that. Her uh, mother and her family were all packing up stuff, and they were going to evacuate. Her dad, at the, at the home they lived, it was on the Sound, the intercoastal waterway, and they had a dock. It's kind of a big, almost like a pier kind of thing that went out. It was real high up on a bluff. And she wheeled out to this thing, and she wanted to see the storm coming. She wasn't afraid. She was um, intrigued. I've always told Gracie if she hadn't been such a great singer and all things being equal, she would have made a great weather person on TV. I think she would have really liked that because she'll tell you the weather in a heartbeat. She loves the weather, and she'll explain it in great detail. And over here we have some high-pressure area. <laughs> she does that all the time. And she knows the weather. And she went out there to look at it. And there was something of I think I'm very spiritual about it for her. You'll have to ask her um, why she did it, but she wanted to look at it and she wanted to see this storm. Now, this is a woman who's faced a lot of storms and she had more to face after that, plenty more since then. But she wanted to look at it. And I think that there's something about that to me that it seems incredibly insightful as to what it's like to trust God, is that when we go out, we're going to look at it for what it is and see it. Yes, we're doing everything we need to do to be safe and to not be stupid about it. But at the same time, we're not in panic mode. And I think that as Christians, I, I would like for us to see more of us, including myself, be less in panic mode, less reactionary that we recognize as caregivers, we're not going to spend the rest of our lives boarding up our homes. We're going to build it in a way that we don't have to, that we can live in this storm, that we're not going to be wiped out because we have a structure that is adequately prepared. And that structure is our faith in Christ. That's what this means. The scripture that Paul said where, you know, it, all these things, trials and tribulations, and, and all these things bring perseverance and fortitude, endurance, hope, all those things. C.S. Lewis, I, I've been studying this course on C.S. Lewis at Hillsdale College. I can do it for free. and I, I'm, I'm amazed that they let me do that, but they do. They let me do it for free. You can too. And, and I'm taking this course on C.S. Lewis, and we're talking about pain and, and death and grief and sorrow in this one particular lecture on C.S. Lewis's views of that. The quote, the lecture, uh, the, the professor said, in the presence of pain, fortitude and perseverance emerge when reason and argument fail. Let's chew that a little bit because we as caregivers understand pain, if not the physical acute pain that Gracie deals with, for example, which is relentless, the heartache pain. A, a friend of mine 
has to bury her grandson this week because of an overdose. And you're not going to be able to come with a reason and an argument and offer much in that regards. It, it is so heartbreaking. But I also know this individual. And I know that fortitude and perseverance define this woman. And this is the promise of God that we have. But it only comes when we trust him with the storm. It only comes when we stop trying to be reactionary all the time and rest in him. We will be good stewards. We'll be common sense. We're not going to, like I said, do something stupid. Well, we hope not. But we don't have to be afraid. We can see it for what it is. Even in our weakened state, Gracie's wheeling out there before they leave, not in panic or fear, but in a sense of calmness. I want to see it. I want to appreciate it for what it is. And recognize that God is more powerful than even that. And that's the take-home that she had from that. She said, I saw this magnificent storm bearing down on us. And I recognize that my God is more powerful than that. And that gave her assurance in the midst of her own storms of dealing with loss and disability and, and other things and pain. And so I ask you today, Christian, do you understand that your God is more powerful than the storms in your life? As you find yourself constantly having to repair or board up or all those kinds of things, and I get it, do you recognize that your God is more powerful than this? Is that assuring to you? What does that look like? How would you share that with another caregiver? And I will tell you, in my case, I have come to recognize that after all these years, that Gracie is safe in the hands of God. Now, that sounds bizarre, given how much pain she deals with. But I'm going to explain that when I come back from the break, okay? It's taken a lifetime for me to come to this point, so I want to give it the respect that it deserves. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, that conviction that we can live a calmer, healthier, and dare I say it, a more joyful life as a family caregiver. We'll be right back. to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is a show for you as a caregiver. That is my wife. And I just, y'all have to just bear with me for a moment of husbandly pride because I love to listen to her voice. I, Sunday, I looked over at her and it was uh, Mother's Day and, and I did a song that her mother had requested of me uh, her mother, uh, there's only two songs, I think, I look back at the whole time, that her mother really wanted me to play. And this was uh, that song, In His Time, In His Time. You know that one? 
Let me go to the caregiver keyboard. Carl in Texas is going to love the fact that I've got the caregiver keyboard going on. You know there's an in his time. In his time. Is that a, I think it's an old Maranatha tune. He makes all things beautiful. In his time. Please show me every day As you're teaching me your way That you do just what you say In your time And I asked Gracie to sing that. I didn't have any rehearsal for it. They just sang it and, oh, just just tears my heart out when she sings it. And her mother obviously felt strongly about this song. Again, her son-in-law could play the piano for the entire time she knew him, but she only has to play two songs. And um, this is this is the one she wanted, uh, the primary one she wanted. And I think she looked at Gracie's situation and she was able to make peace with God in his time would reveal everything that needed to be revealed about why her daughter had to suffer. And I think Gracie, to a point, has also recognized that, that she said, you know, Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way. Lord, my life to you I bring with its winter and its spring. Time for losing and time for gain, time for joy and time for pain. All those lyrics of that wonderful song. And it helps us rest in the storm knowing that we're going to be here for a while. And while that's painful, and while that's certainly uncomfortable, he's not going to leave us alone in this. And I want to go back to what I said in the last segment about my journey through that. And there are painful things that happen. But I I go back to this surgeon that I met down in Denver this neurosurgeon, and I really like him a lot, and I've been around a lot of surgeons, and I trusted that this man had all of his certification. I trusted that the University of Colorado Medical Center had properly vetted this guy and made sure that he had all of his credentials, that he was trained and well-prepared for this. I barely knew this guy. We don't really know anything about each other personally, much at all. Get to know him, but we're not, you know, close friends or anything, but I've trusted him to do ghastly things to my wife, things that I would not want to see in the operating room. I'm not going to go in there. And I trusted him to do these things, knowing that these were necessary things in order for her to deal with what had happened to her in this car wreck so many years ago. How is that any different from our walk with God? In fact, we know more about God than we probably know about the surgeons that are operating on our loved ones. His Word teaches us these things, that He's near to the brokenhearted. He binds up the wounded. His arm is not short that it cannot save. His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. A broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. 
my sheep hear my voice. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, these things start making sense to us as we put them in the context of do we know God? And do we trust Him even with these very painful things? Or are we so busy saying, God, get me out of this? God, get me out of this. As I said in my chapter that I read in the path of the storm, what well, God get me through this? Get me out of this. Get me out of this. What, what, what do I got to do to get out of this? As opposed to what can I become in this? What can I become through this? And this is the hard question for us as caregivers. Will we trust God to do ghastly things with ghastly tools to our loved ones and ourselves? In the hands of that surgeon in Denver, these tools that look so horrific are instruments of healing and repair, productivity. In the hands of someone else, they could be weapons. But in the hands of this surgeon, they are designed to heal and to help her. What about God? What kind of horrible-looking tools does he use? Suffering is one of those. Affliction, heartache. I don't know why. I don't particularly like it. But he didn't ask me. He didn't look for my approval, and he did not seek me out as a consultant. When the Trinity gathered in their own council, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, at no point was Peter Rosenberger asked his opinion, nor you. But what he did do was give us enough information about him that allowed us to trust him, that gave us that understanding of his character to trust him. Think about this. He uses words to explain these things to us, words that are written down in Scripture to explain who he is in ways that we can understand. But the language of God is not in the English translation of our Bible. Do you understand? I, it's taken me a while to realize the obvious. You know, the obvious becomes obvious right before it becomes obvious. He doesn't use words like we do. He condescended to say these things in a way that makes sense to us because that's how we communicate. But his ways are not like ours. His thoughts are not like ours. But what he's given us is sufficient for us to be able to rely on. And it always comes down to the cross. I told you I've been studying theology here for intensely for about the last seven or eight months. I've got a tutor. I'm going through all kinds of stuff, and it's it's pretty intense. You know what I've learned? Now, we've gone through all kinds of stuff. I've been going through systematic theology, and it's there, there's a lot of stuff in there. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that sin is a bigger problem than we think it is, and the cross is more magnificent than we could ever imagine. That's what I've learned in seven months of studying systematic theology. I, I'm, I'm banking on that. I, I'm putting all of my chips on that because there's no other place. That's why Paul got to the point where he said, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. That's it. Because that is the, the one cosmic answer that God has to all of this in, in, in ways that, that staggered the brain. 
that he who knew no sin would become sin. That what he did for us is that assurance to sustain us until one day he'll reveal it to us. And we're in a place that we could understand. There are things that he would tell us now that we couldn't understand. There's no way we can understand. Don't have the brain power for this. We're not him. And we will know him truly. We can know him truly. We do know him truly. But we will never know him absolutely because we are not him. And so we go always go back to that same question of trust. Are we trusting in ourselves to be able to manage this and board up our homes and put ourselves through all kinds of pretzels and mental turmoil? Are we doing that? Are we being stewards of where we are today, doing what is on our hand to do, and trusting Him? My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed, I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. It is not up to me. I don't have to argue about this. I don't have to find reason. And as C.S. Lewis was talking about, where, where, where argument and reason fail, perseverance and endurance triumph. We're not going to reason this out. You're not going to tell me something that's going to make Gracie's 40-year journey sound reasonable to me. And I'm not going to tell you something that's going to make your loved one's journey sound reasonable. We try that, but it's awful. It's it's painful. It's platitudes. It's annoying. It's irritating. Sometimes it just makes me mad because people come and say, well, look at the ministry you have. Like, that makes it worth it. We're not that noble. Billy Graham had a pretty good run, both legs, you know, You follow me on that? It is not really appropriate for us to try to somehow bring reason to this. Instead, we are summoned, we are regenerated so that we can believe and have faith. And he gives us the faith to do that. We're never going to reason these things out, and that's okay. That's the good news. Bad news is it's going to be a little bit challenging at times. It's going to be hairy at times. And we're going to get discouraged. We're going to get fearful. We're going to get lonely and all of the above. And if you go back and read in Scripture, you'll see where we join a great company of people who did that. And God makes provision for that, and he meets us in our distress. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. I love that old hymn, by the way. Gracie sings that one. And every time she sings it, it just tears me apart. But that's what these these psalms and these passages and scriptures all point to are those who are groaning over this broken world, over the hurricanes that are coming, over the storms that assail us. This world, though with devils filled, Martin Luther said, will try to undo us. And we groan over that, but we have one who groans for us in this, in words that we can't even imagine. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. You cannot listen to that unaffected. <laughs> it's just, that is so great. Oh, happy day. Uh, the text written in the 1700s, and I believe it was the Edwin Hawkins singers, Edwin Hawkins arranged that in the maybe late 50s, early 60s. Don't, don't hold me to that. And it's become a gospel staple. And I love that. And, uh, it's just a great, great song. Oh, happy day. Hey, uh, we are on American Family Radio, and I just want to take a moment, okay? My mother, uh, who I just adore, and she makes me laugh, and and if I have a sense of humor, it is because of her. Now, my father's funny, uh, but not intentionally. And, I mean, he doesn't. That's not something he spends a lot of time trying to be clever. But my mother's actually... Uh, we learned how to speak sarcasm from her. Uh, we speak sarcasm fluently in my family. I got four brothers and a sister, and we all do. And I think mother is the origination of this. But she cannot see very well anymore because of macular degeneration. Now, she's listening to this now. So I'm embarrassing you a little bit, Mom, but I've been embarrassing you, let's face it, since for a very long time. Uh, I've been a sermon illustration more times than I want to remember from my father as well. But... <clears throat> she can't, so she listens to this show and AFR programming on her Alexa device because it's voice activated, and it really helps her. And she talks about how much this network means to her and how much she and Dad get out of it. They sit there and just listen to various shows. She rattles off uh, different hosts that she really likes, and it's – I got to tell you, it's very – gratifying to me that they have such a wealth of programming, of Bible teaching, of music, of prayer time, all of the above, that they can listen to just by activating it with their voice. And because mom's vision is poor, you know, she can't watch television very well, but she can listen to this station, and she does faithfully. And I want to you all to know how much I appreciate this station for not only that, but for carrying my show. And so what I'm asking of you, if you are blessed by this ministry of American Family Association, would you go out to their website, afa.net, afa.net, and click on the Donate tab up above there. You'll see it right along the top there, the menu. Just click on it. And they, they didn't ask me to do this today. They, they don't even know that I'm doing it. It's, it's the weekend. <laughs> they won't find out probably. So, you know, just do it. Just give. And, then, and send them a note. If you find this station, this network, to be meaningful in your life, if it has ministered to you in any way, fashion, or form, please let them know that at afa.net. You can contact them there. There's a contact button. And feel free to to let them know. Tell them how much you appreciate it. I went down there in um, at the end of February, 1st of March, and I was doing this video that will be out later on in the fall. This, And I think you guys are going to be real proud of this. And I got to meet all these folks for the first time. I've talked to them 
virtually all of them at some point, but I've never physically met them. Can you believe that they signed me onto this network without even looking at me? <laughs> it's probably better that they didn't see me first. They're wonderful people who are committed to not only bring the best programming they can to honor God and to further the kingdom, but also to pray for listeners. They take this personally. They take the whole business of ministering the gospel very, very seriously and very per- and very purposely. And so I'm asking you to reciprocate and just tell them thank you. They, they would very much appreciate that. I know they would. So take a moment to go out to afa.net. There's two buttons. You can click on the donate button and do whatever is in your heart to do. And then the contact button and send them a letter. Tell them the shows that you like. I mean, I'm not saying you have to say this show. You don't have to. If you want to, that's okay. But there are lots of different programs on this network. Tell them and be specific. You know, one of the things I have noticed over the years is that when people give generalities, it really just doesn't mean any much. But when you get specific, that's, that becomes very meaningful to people because it means that you paid attention. So if there's something that you heard on here, a news program, uh, the the, you know, the report that goes on with Israel all the time that John Riley does, uh, the political insights that Jenna Ellis does, today's issues, Tim Wildman. I mean, I'm, and you know, there's an intercessory program that airs v- very early in the morning with Pastor Joseph Parker. And I was just on his program recently, and they they pray on that show, and they pray very specifically. That's what's going on in this network 24-7. And they could use your help. So if you're blessed by this, I'm just asking, go out and help them do this more and let them know why you're doing it. Tell them why. They'd like to know. Wouldn't you? That's one way as caregivers I have found that we can push back against a lot of stuff. The more we express gratitude, the healthier we become. Do you know how difficult it is to be hacked off and resentful when you're grateful? Let me try it sometime. You can't do both at the same time. And we, of all people as believers, should be the most grateful. That's what that song means at the beginning when we came back from the break. Oh, happy day. Well, I know our life has challenges in it. I mean, y'all know me. Of course I know. Gracie and I live with hard things. So do you. That's why we do this program. But we build one another up, encourage one another by reminding us of the greater truth. It's hard when, when all this pain obfuscates your view. But when you have that reinforced understanding of what awaits us, Paul said, this stuff is not even worthy to be compared. What's well, hard to grasp that, isn't it? But for the glory set before him, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, set his face like flint to do it. And his resurrection is the first fruit of ours. Okay, this is the promise. And and all of these promises and scriptures are there for us, and they mean something. And that's one of the things that I try to do on this program is help remind us of these things. Remind me of it. 
I not only have caregiver amnesia and need to be reminded of all the things necessary for being a caregiver, I have gospel amnesia, and I need to be reminded every single day. But in the reminding, it gives me an opportunity to be grateful. And so even, as we said in the first block, even if we have to board up our homes, not, again, not literally. I mean, maybe sometimes if you live by the coast. But even if we're having to pre- hunker down and prepare for very difficult things, we still have the assurance and the promise of God's presence and we may cry and we may grieve. There's no may to it. We will. We do. We have. And we're going to groan. As I said in the last block, but we have one that groans for us. That That is interceding for us. And the whole point of all of this, again, is perseverance, endurance, which leads to that hope. But if we're so busy asking for a bailout, if we're so busy just bemoaning and wailing and flailing around, we're going to miss what he has for us in it. And I don't mean to belabor the metaphor, but if you are boarding up your home for a hurricane, there is a point where you have done all the boarding that you can do, and you just have to let it go and trust that you've done all that you can do. And I think that's a great principle for us in life. There's a point where we don't have to be in damage prep all the time, that we can learn to rest in this and be at peace in this. We've done all we know to do. And I will tell you something. I put this in my book. Uh, evidently, it connected so well with the publisher, the, the press kit they put out, they they let out with this. They said, you might want to start at the back of Peter's book. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. But they said, they took the line that I said, Gracie has a savior. I'm not that savior. Let me tell you something. That's freedom right there. I'm not her savior. Never was. Couldn't be. My blood doesn't atone for anything. Can't even atone for my own sins, much less someone else's. I'm not her savior. I'm a steward. And so are you. And we can rest knowing that just like when Gracie looked at that hurricane, that our God is greater than all of these things, and he will preserve us. The perseverance of the saints, look it up sometimes. He will preserve us. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, Jude says, to present you before the throne. These are, these are great promises to hold on to in the midst of these things. And I know it gets tough. And that's why this program is here to help this community. You help me, I help you. I get your letters and it strengthens me. That's how we do it. We strengthen one another. And so don't forget, I'm asking you to go to afa.net, afa.net, and let them know how much you appreciate them. Let them know financially and let them know with a note. And let them know you're praying for them. Okay? This is Peter Rosenberg. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Go to hopeforthecaregiver.com for more. We'll see you next time.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.